It's official. The New Orleans Saints have their next offensive coordinator. We got all that and a little bit of land yap for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? I'm your host, Ross Jackson, New Orleans native, your New Orleans Saints expert, credential member of the media covering those New Orleans Saints as a senior writer and reporter over at Saints News Network. And on today's episode of Locked on Saints, it's all Clint Kubiak all the time. We're going to take a look at two Super Bowl plays that illustrate, or we're going to discuss two Super Bowl plays that illustrate what the New Orleans Saints new offense could potentially look like in 2024, what characteristics you need to know about what a Clint Kubiak slash Kyle Shanahan offense will look like in New Orleans, and of course, the big story itself, Clint Kubiak, who is officially now the New Orleans Saints offensive coordinator, although we had to wait until after the Super Bowl for it to become official. It is indeed official. We appreciate you very much for being an everydayer here on the Locked on Saints podcast and for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day here on the Locked on Podcast Network, your team Every day. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. Make every moment more with FanDuel today. New customers can get $150 in bonus bets by winning any $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. So it's official. The New Orleans Saints offensive coordinator for 2024 is and will be former. San Francisco 49ers pass game specialist slash pass game coordinator, interchangeable titles, uh, Clint Kubiak. The moment that we've all waited for, the hire that the New Orleans Saints needed to get done, they got it done. And as we saw the news break, yeah, well, I'm going to I'm gonna hesitate to call it news break, right? We've known since the Senior Bowl that Clint Kubiak was expected to become the New Orleans Saints offensive coordinator. So the reason why this is news today is that the Super Bowl's over, right? And by league rules, Clint Kubiak, because he was coaching in the Super Bowl, could not be named a staff member of a different team than the team that he was coaching in the Super Bowl. But now that the Super Bowl is over, the move was made official. So that news broke via Ian Rappaport, of course, over at NFL Network, who not only outlined that he is now the New Orleans Saints offensive coordinator and that they have agreed to terms on a deal, but also that he was the top candidate the whole way through. That's pretty big uh, to hear, actually, if you're following or have been following sort of the conversation around this position for the New Orleans Saints. A lot of concerns were out there that the Saints would not be able to land a top coordinator option, and they did. They also landed their number one target or their top target from the very beginning. Remember, Clint Kubiak was our 1B here on Locked on Saints. Zach Robinson, of course, was the 1A. He's over in Atlanta, but we won't talk about that today. We're going to focus on the good news, <laughs> which is that the New Orleans Saints got Clint Kubiak. And Clint Kubiak was somebody that was, according to Ian Rapport, coveted, sword that he used, by other franchises. So this is a big hire for the New Orleans Saints. This isn't a situation to where the Saints were the only ones to call him up. This is a situation to where the Saints are the team that he chose and the, te- and the team that were able to convince him to come here. That's good news for New Orleans. It effectively also gives you everything that you've been looking for as a fan. You wanted to revamp over on the offensive side. Well, you got it. New offensive coordinator, 
an expected quarterback coach, Andrew Janako, who was the guy that was the quarterback coach under Cliff Kings, excuse me, uh, King Clint Kubiak. I'm going to do that a couple of times. I'm just going to give you a heads up now. I'm going to mess it up a lot. So just bear with me. Clint Kubiak, uh, when he was the offensive coordinator over in Minnesota, Andrew Janako was the quarterback coach there. They got a great season out of Kirk Cousins that year, 4,221 passing yards, completed over 66% of his passes, 33 touchdowns, seven interceptions, even though he had thrown volume-wise the fourth most passes of his career. So it was a good season for Kirk Cousins. Now, if you look at the last two seasons in Chicago with Justin Fields under Andrew Nako, things not so great. But I think Kirk Cousins is a lot more comparable to Derek Carr than Justin Fields is. So I'm taking the Kirk Cousins side of that and applying it to how good Andrew Janako could potentially be with the New Orleans Saints. And I think that's the level of expectation that you can have in terms of what Janako's work and Clint Kubiak's system can do for Derek Carr. Now, does it mean that he's going to throw 33 touchdowns to seven interceptions next year? No, probably not. Uh, but I could see 30 and 10, and you'd be pretty happy with that because you probably won some games <laughs> that way along the way, right? Meanwhile, offensive line is another spot that was opened up this offseason with the firing of Doug Marone uh, as the offensive line in the New Orleans Saints has kind of backtracked a little bit over the course of the past couple of years. The lack of development of young talent like Trevor Pinning and stuff like that, the giving up on Trevor Pinning maybe too quickly, things like that, I think showed you maybe a little bit of impatience coming from the leadership in that room, being from a coaching standpoint. We, I, I've said over and over again that the idea of benching Trevor Penning was a bad idea early on in the year. I think that might have had something to do with all of this. Uh, the Saints are expected to bring in John Benton, another guy that has a ton of experience, not only with Clint Kubiak, he actually has some experience with Clint Kubiak, but he's got a lot of experience with Kyle Shanahan, spending, I believe, at six seasons uh, with Kyle Shanahan one way or another, whether it was in San Francisco or when Shanahan was the offensive coordinator in Houston. Uh, he also spent time with Clint Kubiak's dad, Gary Kubiak, in Houston as well. So a little bit of overlap there. John Benton had traveled with Matt LaFleur, excuse me, Mike LaFleur, who went from San Francisco to New York. Things didn't go great there. That was in 2022. And then Benton was away from the NFL in 2023. Now it looks like he'll be the New Orleans Saints head coach, or excuse me, <laughs> offensive line coach. My apologies. He will be the New Orleans Saints offensive line coach. Dennis Allen, still the head coach. Um, Luke Johnson over at NOLA.com sort of further confirming that. Uh, earlier on Monday when he was at Lundy Gras. Happy, Lundy, happy Mardi Gras. Happy Fat Tuesday, everybody. Sorry, my brain is all over the place today. Um, but you got a little bit more confirmation that that move would be on the way here soon. So now, wide receiver coach and running back coach are the two big position groups left to fill in. There's still a senior offensive assistant role that could be available. Um, Bob Bicknell originally held that. He was moved on from at the same time as Cody Burns at wide receiver coach and at the same time as Pete Carmichael uh, at offensive coordinator. And then the Saints also have an offensive assistant position and an offensive line assistant position that could be filled, might be filled. We'll see. The Saints also, interestingly enough, never staffed a new run game coordinator. Uh, that used to be Dan Roshar when he was working with the tight ends. Uh, he was released before the, or he was fired before the 2023 season, went over to LSU. And then they never really replaced, at least by title, appropriately, right, proper, uh, the run game coordinator position. So maybe that's something that either goes to John Benton. John Benton, when he was in New York with the Jets, he was the uh, uh, offensive line coach and the uh, run game coordinator. Maybe, maybe that's exactly what the Saints do again. And remember that run game was really good up until Brees Hall got hurt in 2022. It was a very, very good run game. Brees Hall was outstanding early on in the season. Then he had that season ending injury, which derailed the Jets almost entirely. 
Uh, so if you're looking for somebody that can at least get a good run game with talent, John Benton's a guy that can help you do that, whether it be from the offensive line side or from the uh, run game coordination side. So you can see how the rest of the staff here will continue to fill out, but we already know potentially two hires in Andrew Janako and John Benton that could be on the way with Clint Kubiak. But the most important thing here is that the Saints achieved the thing that they set out to do. They hired a top flight, top candidate type of offensive coordinator in Clint Kubiak and got their hands on that Kyle Shanahan system that everybody wants to get their hands on in the NFL. Now, Kubiak's not going to run 100% of what Kyle Shanahan ran, but there are going to be a lot of elements of that that will travel with Clint Kubiak, I imagine, and some of which are already sort of inherent to what Clint Kubiak wants to do because of his experience with his father, Gary Kubiak, who was also bred some very successful offenses in the NFL. So what I want to do next is go over maybe like the top three qualities that you should expect from the New Orleans Saints offense in 2024. And then I want to give you two plays, one run play, one passing play from the Super Bowl that you can go back and look at to give you a good understanding of illustrations of each of those three main points. So let's get to that here as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints as the New Orleans Saints have their next offensive coordinator. Got that coming up here as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Saints brought to you by our friends at DoorDash. Well, that was one heck of a Super Bowl, kind of a classic, if you will, with the last second touchdown and overtime, all that good stuff. But of course, for a lot of people, it's always the commercials that steal the show. And I hope you caught the DoorDash commercial because theirs was very, very impressive. They went all out for game day and actually DoorDash stuff from all of the different ads to one lucky winner, cars snacks, even tax software, and somehow they pulled it off. Now, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bummed that I wasn't the winner, but I got to hand it to them. It was one heck of a delivery. DoorDash is the all-in-one app for your everyday needs from restaurants to groceries to flowers and gifts. So next time when you're running low on dinner ideas, pet supplies, or you need something just in the nick of time, you can get so much more than you realize delivered through DoorDash. Whatever your watch party or anything party needs that you've got coming up, get it delivered with DoorDash. DoorDash, your door to more. Head to the DoorDash app today for everything that you need delivered. All right, family, there is one thing that we should know for sure about the New Orleans Saints 2024 offense and that right now it's shaping up to be a lot of fun. We appreciate you very much for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget to go and check out the Locked on Sports Today 24-7 national sports stream, the first of its kind over on YouTube. You can head over to YouTube today and subscribe to Locked on Sports Today to be there with you every single day covering all the big stories from around the world of sports. Subscribe today at Locked On Sports Today on YouTube. So look, the New Orleans Saints needed, absolutely desperately needed to make a change, to build an offensive identity, to build an offense that was a little bit more creative, one that was a little bit more innovative, all of those things. And they weren't going to be able to do it in the state that they were in in 2022, in the state that they were in in 2023. But now as they get here to 2024, there's a real opportunity to get this right. And in fact, it's imperative for some folks like uh, Dennis Allen, for instance, that this does go right. Like everybody has a vested interest in this. Dennis Allen and his 
postseason press conference talked about the culpability of everyone in terms of the season not ending with a playoff appearance at the very least. And so now that culpability kind of transfers a bit of, okay, well, you didn't get to the playoffs. So what are the moves that you're making to get there next year? And it's clearly demonstrable the things that they're trying to do, which is completely revamp their offensive system. But what does that offensive system that's now on its way to New Orleans look like? I'm going to give you three qualities that will help to break this all down. If you want a little bit more in depth on this over at Saints News Network, I did a write-up of this as well uh, for a Monday article. So you can go and check that out as well. Um, you know, and then of course, folks on the Lockdown Insiders program, you're going to get you know film studies and things like that from the Super Bowl, from the 49ers, everything. If you're interested in seeing those, just text Hudat to 504-285-7473 to join today. So um, when I look at the three things, or when I try to think about the three things that you're going to get from a Kyle Shanahan offense or a Kyle Shanahan-esque offense, I think we'll call it that for right now because it's going to be a blend of a couple of different things. But what Clint Kubiak brings to New Orleans Saints, here are the three words that make the most sense to me. Number one, misdirection. Number two, motion. Number three, utility. Utility is a little bit more esoteric, but we'll get to it, and I'll explain what I mean by it. And then coming up next in a little bit, I'll also go through and describe two plays from the Super Bowl, one run play, one passing, but that kind of illustrate these things. So let's start with misdirection, because for me, this is the biggest one. Um, when you think about misdirection, oftentimes what you think about might, might be like things that we would call you know, eye candy, right? A, a little bit of motion over on the right side while you're trying to do something on the left side, uh, a little bit of motion out of the backfield to maybe catch the eyes of one of those um, one of those uh, linebackers and maybe pulls them out of the box that you can attack where that player has vacated in the middle of the field, little things like that, right? But there are other ways that misdirection come into play. So there's all of the motion stuff. And we're going to discuss that uh, when it comes to uh, those plays here in a moment. But the other things to keep in mind are misdirection in terms of setting up and tearing down expectations, right? I can misdirect you by creating an expectation that I'm going to do a Saints show here on Locked on Saints, but then I could confound you or challenge your expectation or break that expectation by doing uh, a you know show about The Bachelor. Now, I'm not going to do that, even though I am a Bachelor fan, I'm not going to do that to you. But these are the types of things that I won't do to you because of your trust in me, but there's no trust when it comes to an offense and a defense. So build an expectation and then counteract that expectation. So one example that Benjamin Solak from over at The Ringer, who's brilliant, uh, kind of broke down in, during Super Bowl Radio Row is one that I think gives you a really good idea. So you got two tight ends lined up tight to the offensive line over on the right side. You got two wide receivers that are stacked and are still pretty close to the offensive line. So you have this really condensed offensive lineup. And then you've got Christian McCaffrey in the pistol, right? So you've got uh, Brock Purdy in shotgun and then Christian McCaffrey behind him. So everything about that says run, right? That says that that's going to probably be a pitch to the right behind the two tight ends, probably going to pull a wide receiver to get some extra bodies over there, get some extra blockers over there, get Christian McCaffrey going and with a head start with a little bit of a running start coming out of pistol. But instead, what did the 49ers do? Just before the snap, they bounce or move motion uh, Christian McCaffrey from behind Brock Purdy to offset to the left side of Brock Purdy. They snap the ball. And all of a sudden, this defense that has come out looking at the, remember that defenses choose their personnel based on the personnel of the offense in the huddle. So what did they see? 
They saw two tight ends, a running back, two wide receivers, including Jawan Jennings, who's a big time blocking wide receiver, and Brandon Ayuk, uh, Debo Samuel. They both block too. So you have to be ready for the run in that case. So you deploy a heavier set, four down linemen, three linebackers, whatever, to do what? To try to stop the run. Then at the last second before you snap the ball, Christian McCaffrey motions to the outside or, or just offset to the, to the left hip of Brock Purdy. They snap the ball and all of a sudden you've got four defensive backs on the field because you've gone heavy with your 4-3 look, your four down linemen and your three linebackers, but then you've got five routes being run because Christian McCaffrey is going out, oh no, it's a pass. So these little things that allow you to be able to create an expectation and break that expectation, then leaving a bunch of space wide open all over the field because people are confused, there was one expectation, now it's a different thing. Those are things that you now get the opportunity to take advantage of. Clint Kubiak wants to create mismatches. Misdirection helps you do that. Motion is a big part of that. That's our second thing. Just I'm just going to give you two percentages here. 14.3%. 37.7%. Those are the two differences, or those are the two percentages of motion used, first by the New Orleans Saints, 14.3, then by the San Francisco 49ers, 37.7. Just a lot more motion. And with a lot more motion feeds into that first piece, a lot more uh, misdirection, a lot more innovation, a lot more creativity. It especially helps in the red zone as well. The 49ers, number one in the NFL when it came to red zone conversion percentage, over 68%. 68% last season. The Saints were 18th in the NFL there. Motion misdirection helps a ton when it comes to the red zone. And remember, the Saints got better in the red zone toward the end of the season and still finished 18th in the NFL while San Francisco was soaring at number one. Finally, I mentioned utility. This is one that I mentioned was a little bit esoteric because I'm using a word to really describe uh, a notion, right? Uh, an ideal or an idea. So when I talk about utility, what I mean is the usage of players. I just don't want to say usage about humans. It feels weird. So I'm going with utility. So I'm talking about the deployment and the usage of certain positions and um, responsibilities. Okay. So you think about the way that if you watch the Super Bowl, a Kyle Juszczyk was used all throughout the game. 32 years old, fullback. You got Taysom Hill coming in, 33, 34 years old can go out there, catch passes, can go out there and help you out in the backfield, can go out there, be a lead blocker, can kind of do all those things. Could the next evolution of Taysom Hill not actually be Debo Samuel, as we've joked about here on the show before, but could it actually be Kyle Yusha? The thing that's exciting here is sort of the positionlessness of the San Francisco 49ers system that Clint Kubiak is coming from and could potentially bring principles of the ability to be able to utilize Rashid Shahid, not just in the slot, not just out wide, but out of the backfield more consistently. We saw it actually work a couple of times for the Saints. They just never consistently leaned into it. The other thing that I'll mention here too, and I want to just grab some numbers for you. I'm going to throw a bunch of percentages at you, but the, the, the core idea here is that playmakers will be on the field. So this is another part of usage utility. Listen to this with the Super Bowl. Christian McCaffrey, 95% of snaps. Brandon Ayuk, 89% of snaps. George Kittle, 84% of snaps. Kyle Juszczyk, the fullback, 57% of snaps. Debo Samuel, 72% of snaps. Remember, he was dealing with that left that, that hamstring injury for a little while as well, which allowed Juwan Jennings get it, to get up to 53%. You don't have to remember those numbers, but what I do want you to remember about those numbers is that if you're a playmaker, you're on the field in this system. And that's huge because that was a big thing that caused a lot of trouble for the New Orleans Saints over the course of the past few years. So misdirection, motion, utility, those are the big things that are going to end up having a massive impact 
by getting that on the right side of the conversation going into 2024. Now, let's discuss two plays from the Super Bowl that give you an idea of how the San Francisco 49ers system, even though it wasn't victorious last night in or, or, or Sunday night in the Super Bowl, could help you be victorious here in 2024 for the New Orleans Saints. We've got that coming up for you as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Saints brought to you by friends over at FanDuel. Make every moment more with FanDuel today, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers are going to be able to get $150 in bonus bets by simply winning any $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets if your first bet wins. And look, I did this yesterday. I bet on the Kansas City Chiefs going into the Super Bowl. And then when they went down 10 to 0, I caught them on the money line at plus 320 and then ended up winning that as well. So the Chiefs winning once allowed me to win twice. You could do that and potentially win three times because then you get the $150 on top of bonus bets if you're a new customer. So go check them out today. You can also use all that for your favorite NBA players and teams as well. Quick bets, uh, live in-game parlays, um, exclusive props, a whole bunch of stuff that you can check out over at fanduel.com slash locked on. You, you can go ahead and shoot your shot. It's FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Let's get it, Houdat Nation. Are you excited about what the New Orleans Saints offense could be in 2024? I sure am, and I didn't have to look very far or very hard during that Super Bowl matchup to see some of the concepts that you just can't wait to see in New Orleans in 2024. Let's take a look at two plays or discuss two plays, one run play, one passing play that give us a little bit more context as to what to expect from uh, Clint Kubiak coming over as New Orleans Saints offensive coordinator. Don't forget, we are your team every day. So come back tomorrow. We're going to be diving into more of this as well. We're going to dive into more about some of the other uh, position coach changes and things like that, especially if we get new news that Benton or Janaco have officially accepted the offers to become the New Orleans Saints um, position coaches at, what would that be? Uh, I, I said Benton first, offensive line, Janaco, quarterback. Um, and then of course, looking deeper into the scheme, learning more about it, all that. So I, I wanted to, to kind of discuss two plays from the Super Bowl here that give us an idea. The first one I'm going to, in case you want to watch along, um, is at 13 minutes and five seconds left in the first quarter. It's the first and 10 run by Christian McCaffrey that picks up about 11 yards. Um, it's a really nice run by Christian McCaffrey from an individual standpoint, but the scheme is really nice as well. So what you basically got is, uh, a, a condensed formation. And when we talk about a condensed formation, we mean that the skill position players are tight to the offensive line. So you've got a wide receiver on the left side that's tight inside. You got two wide receivers in Debo Samuel, as well as Juwan Jennings, who were tucked in pretty close. And by the way, Juwan Jennings, what a day. Future New Orleans Saint Juwan Jennings, anybody? Can I interest anybody? Certainly, you can interest me. Um, both those guys in tight, stacked to the offensive line. These are a lot of things that signal, hey, this is going to be a run play, but where is the run going and who is going to run the ball? Those are the types of things that if you're the Kansas City Chiefs defense and you're Steve Spagnuolo, you have to be watching to figure out because you can't just take for granted that they're just going to turn around and hand it off to Christian McCaffrey because this offense is so creative and is so innovative that they're not just going to be basic every time. And even if they do, they're going to do some things to kind of steal your attention away. And that's exactly what the San Francisco 49ers did. So you have that set up on the line of scrimmage. In the backfield, you've got Brock Purdy in shotgun. On his right hip is Kyle Juszczyk. On his left hip is Christian McCaffrey. 
before the ball is snapped, you get what's called the orbit motion. And this is a motion that the Saints used to use. Go back to 2017, that big game that they had against the Buffalo Bills back in 2017, 47 to 10, they ran for 298 yards. They had a play out of the end zone with a run by Mark Ingram, where they did this with, I believe it was Ted Ginn Jr., where they motioned him from one side of the field to the other side of the field, pretty basic motion from left to right behind the line of scrimmage. But then the orbit motion, which took him from the right side back to the left side around and behind the quarterback is the thing that kind of like draws some of the eyes because of that. It confused some of the linebackers. They got all jumbled, things like that. And they ran with Mark Ingram and picked up a bunch of, bunch of yardage. So this isn't out of the ordinary or foreign to the New Orleans Saints at all. They used to do this all the time. So you get Debo Samuel doing that same motion. He goes from the right side to the left side, but goes around Kyle Juszczyk, Brock Purdy, and Christian McCaffrey. In the process, as he's going through that motion, as he crosses behind Brock Purdy, the ball is snapped. At that time, you can see some of the secondary players, the safety, you can see the corner that's trailing. I think it was Legereus Snead that was trailing um, uh, Debo. Actually, it wasn't Debo. Sorry, I think it was Juwan. It was Juwan Jennings that was running that motion around. Um, they're all leaning towards that outside, right? So you get them going that way. You got George Kittle on the right side. He's blocking. And then you have a right guard that pulls from right to left, and you get a lead blocker with Kyle Juszczyk running up the middle. So by the time that the ball is snapped, this has gone from, could this potentially be a pitch to Debo Samuel or Jawan Jennings, my apologies, and has now turned into a manpower run right up the middle with a right guard as your lead blocker, a confused defense, safeties that are pulling towards the orbit motion, and you also have uh, your right guard leading the way and a fullback leading the way for you. Brock Purdy hands the ball off to Christian McCaffrey. The left tackle, or excuse me, the left guard are, uh, is pulls back as well and kind of helps to seal off the outside, gets in between the rusher, who I believe is Carl Loftus, as well as Christian McCaffrey, just gets in between them. And then Christian McCaffrey does the rest. He's able to pull up. Trent Williams is all the way downfield, blocking linebackers. And then the rest of this is just effort by Christian McCaffrey to push and push and push through contact, something we've seen Alvin Kamara do a ton. But it's such a big deal these types of motions, this type of blocking scheme, because if you're watching this play, you're going to notice that Christian McCaffrey breaks the line of scrimmage, breaks the offensive line, two yards downfield, a yard and a half downfield. So he's picking up a yard and a half before he even gets into the congestion of the offense. This is what all this motion does. It doesn't allow the safeties to be able to crash down and make their hot reads and make those, make those run fits. The pulling guard moves the gap for the guy that's supposed to shoot that gap. The blocking, you know, the lead blocker and the, the fullback helps you out. The, the, the other guard or center that's taking his step back and moving his gap is forcing the run fit to change. It's a lot of confusion for a defense, and it opens up an opportunity for you to be able to, as a team that relies heavily on zone run opportunities, they win in the man blocking scheme. They won here with the man blocking scheme because of all those things. So what did you see in that? You saw utility. You heard the names of the players that were on the field. You saw motion and you saw misdirection all in that one play. So it's just a good example. It's just a 12-yard run, but it's a big 12-yard run that extended the drive and allowed them to go through. And maybe could have been an opening drive, scoring drive, because San Francisco was moving the ball well up until the very next play where Christian McCaffrey, where Christian McCaffrey coughed it up. Uh, all right, let's go to the touchdown catch from Juwan Jennings, not the touchdown pass from Juwan Jennings. So this is going into the fourth quarter where Kansas City had like 
kept like allowed no touchdowns or whatever, like in the fourth quarter over the entire playoffs or, or whatever it was. Uh, and they've been outstanding in that area. Here's San Francisco getting on the board. So this is pretty basic. This is a, uh, a two by two type of lineup where you've got Brock Purdy in the shotgun, Christian McCaffrey on his left hip. You got two receivers, Juwan Jennings, as well as Brandon Ayuk on the right side. You've got uh, George Kittle uh, in line on the left side. And then outside of him, you've got a lone receiver all the way over to the far left side. That receiver is Kyle Juszczyk, the fullback. Here's the diagnosis that you get from doing that. It's zone coverage. How do we know that? Kyle Juszczyk goes over to the outside. He's covered by a corner, meaning that that corner is assigned to that area. So when Kyle Juszczyk lines up, even though it should usually be a linebacker that would be tracking with him in man coverage, that corner is assigned to Kyle Juszczyk because he's over by his zone, over by his assignment. If it were man coverage, a linebacker would have gone out there. So now you already know if you're Brock Purdy as you step up to the line of scrimmage here, okay, zone coverage, boom. So then you go from that to uh, motioning Kyle Juszczyk from the outside inside a little bit tighter on the formation. So now you're creating the opportunity on a second and nine, that this could potentially be a red zone run, right? Because you're moving that blocker in a little bit. You could run towards that side. You've got two outstanding blockers from over there. So instead, what happens is this goes from being, again, one of those potential run plays, but now with a diagnosis for your young quarterback who knows that it's zone coverage. So what is it that they do here? They have Christian McCaffrey fly out of the backfield. You've got two uh, you got your tight end and your fullback running routes over on the left side, and then you run a simple switch over on the right side, a slant underneath and out for Juwan Jennings running the slant, Brandon Ayuk or Christian or, or, or Chris Conley, I'm sorry, I can't tell which one that is, uh, going over towards the outside, and they simply throw the slant, Juwan Jennings catches it, and Juwan Jennings fights his way into the end zone. Why is this impressive? Because this is what the Kyle Shanahan, this is what the Andy Reeds, this is what the Sean McVeighs all want to do. Do something very simple behind the guise or the disguise of complexity, behind the veil of complexity. This had a lot of complex elements. The linebackers over on the outside, you get the, I mean, excuse me, the fullbacks over on the outside, fullback motions in. Once a fullback motions in and they snap, Christian McCaffrey goes immediately towards the outside. He's running his tail off. You've got these other two big guys over in the front. This could be a screen or a quick pass to Christian McCaffrey to the right side with the two or to the left side with the two blockers there. And instead, what do they do? They throw a slant on second and nine from the, I don't know, 13, from the 11. It's simple, but it's behind the veil of complexity, eye candy, misdirection, utility, all of these other pieces. This is what you should expect from the New Orleans Saints in 2024. And anything less would be a disappointment. Anything less would be a disappointment. So can the Saints run this scheme? Do they have the personnel to get it done? That's what we're going to dive into in tomorrow's episode, but that gives us a little bit more of an understanding of what to expect now that Clint Kubiak is officially the Saints offensive coordinator. So I appreciate you very much for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day for your second listen. Locked on Pelicans, Locked on LSU, ton going on with those guys, Jake Madison, Caroline Fenton, keeping you up to date. And I appreciate you very much, as always, making Locked on Saints a part of your day, part of your routine for saying yes to me on the show. As always, if you see me, please say hi. And if you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on your favorite social media at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.